If you would grab a Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. That's where we'll begin this uh, time of our study this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to need some help if uh, some of you near the front here would help me pass these out. That would be great. Maybe some over here, some over here. Thank you guys. Just one for everybody, unless they look like they don't want one, in which case, you know, we can, we can pass them by if they don't feel like it. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, while they're doing that, I uh, want to say hello, good morning, welcome to especially our visitors. wanted to let you know about one thing that I needed to mention before I forget, which is that uh, Zach is not here today. Zach is in Alabama. He's preaching in Alabama in uh, both ten- this morning and tonight in different places there. Uh, they're visiting people for graduations and weddings. I can't keep it all straight. Uh, He's in that time of life where everybody you know is graduating and getting married or both. And so uh, they're they're doing that in Alabama. And so he's preaching there. And that's the reason he's not here uh, this morning. All right. uh, Ephesians chapter 4. You can see uh, on the top of your sheet uh, what we're going to be doing. We're talking for this session uh, from now, about the next 30 minutes or so, about setting our minds free. And as we did that, I wanted you to have something that you could follow along with what we're doing. There are some blanks here, which means there are things you're going to need to fill in or else it's not going to make a lot of sense, uh, which also means that you probably need to pay attention to what we're going to be talking about. So uh, that's the reason for that, so that we can have something to follow along. And as you can see, if you just glance down your little sheet here, uh, I have a number of practical challenges in this lesson because uh, one of the things when we talk about disciplining and changing the mind is that it's hard to be practical. And I want to be sure that because I'm going to give you a lot of challenges that you have sort of a record, these are the things we're going to talk about, and these are the things we're going to try to work on uh, in coming days. All right, does anybody, have, anybody else need one of these before we... Uh, this is my cheat sheet. You can't, you can't look at this, Skip. This is the cheat sheet. It's got all the answers on it in case I forget what I was going to say. <laughs> no, you can't see that one? Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, maybe you're a good one to have on the front row then. Okay. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Ephesians 4, 17 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves, over, given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So when Paul is describing the transformation that's going to take place in Christians, he talks about the way the Gentiles walk, and in particular, he talks about the way Gentiles think. And there are a number of terms in these verses. I don't know if you noticed as we were reading them. In verse 17, it talks about the futility of their minds, the uselessness. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Those are all mind ideas. And then verse 19, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So callous, meaning they're hard, they don't want to listen, they don't feel anymore, they don't care anymore. They're determined to think about and focus on and practice whatever crosses their minds, whatever evil thing they want to do. Now, it's very easy when we read a text like that to get a little distance between us and them. That's describing people who are not us. But I want to remind you, that's who we used to be. That as Christians, we have come out of a world that has colored our thinking. 
And perhaps we didn't get all the way to the end of that rabbit hole the way these Gentiles did, but we have struggled and we have become, at least at some point in our past, darkened in our understanding and callous and hard-hearted in rejecting God and the things of God. We have given ourselves over to do evil in our past. So, for us, it's important that we relate to this, that as we are going to become different people when we follow Jesus, it's going to mean not only do we need to live better, but that we need to learn to think better. And so we're going to talk about how we can set our minds free, that the the gospel is not just intended to change behavior, but is also intended to change the mind. And the the reason this is important, or at least one reason, is because the Bible teaches that sin is never just a matter of bad behavior. The Bible teaches that sin originates in the mind or the heart. This is the part where you write that down. Sin originates in the mind or the heart. Sin originates in the mind or the heart. This is where it begins. And I want to give you a few passages on that. Uh, Matthew 12, 34, Jesus says, You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Speech doesn't come from nowhere. Speech comes from within. Speech comes from the mind. We are expressing what's in our heart, what's in our mind when we speak. Matthew 15, verse 18, 19, Jesus says, this is after that long dispute with the Pharisees about whether or not they had to wash hands. And he says, What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, and the list goes on. What he is saying is what defiles you, what makes you wrong before God, is not just the action, but it's something that comes from within. It's something that comes out of you. So, in other words, he says, don't worry about whether you wash your hands and you can somehow defile yourselves by touching or eating the wrong thing. You worry about what's going on within you that's going to come out because what comes out is what defiles you. And then James 1.14, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And desire gives forth the, well, I'm, I'm misquoting the verse here. Um, but when desire conceives, it gives birth to sin. Sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So, where does sin come from? Sin comes from desire. Where does desire come from? From the heart. It's within me. So, if we're going to really root out sin, it's going to mean that we're going to have to deal with the mind or the heart. So, it's not enough to just change behavior. We have to change our thinking. Now, I want to ask you some questions. These are not questions I'm intending for you to answer, although feel free if you want to. Have you ever gotten into ruts of thinking? Do you ever have people in your life that you just cannot think or say a single positive thing about them? Every time somebody brings them up or they come to mind, it's negative. And in your heart, you know you're just consumed with negativity about that person. Now, I'm sure we've met people like that, right? We've met people, so maybe that's a little uncomfortable to say, am I like that? But we know people like that, where maybe you bring up the wrong person to them and you just get... Whoa, whoa, here they go. They're they're just spewing negativity about that person. Or if you try to compliment someone, they'll correct you. Well, actually, they're not that great. Or if you ask them, hey, how are things going for you? And you just get this avalanche of bitterness. You know people like that. We have been people like that. That is a mind issue. Okay, It's not a behavior issue, although we need to work on disciplining our mouths. But it is a mind issue. Have you ever been so determined to do something that no matter what somebody said to you, you were going to do it? They could not talk you out of it. 
Have you ever been absolutely convinced that everybody else was the problem? And then somehow, maybe through experience, maybe through things just all falling apart, you came to realize that you were the problem and not them? That's a thinking issue. Have you ever had some sin or temptation take over your mind so that you really couldn't focus or think about anything else? That was just always there? Have you ever been hurt so badly that it was like a cloud hanging over you all the time? Have you ever been so angry you couldn't think straight? Have you ever been so convinced that you were right that you could not see how wrong you were? Thinking about husbands and wives and their disagreements here. We need not only to change our behavior, we need our thinking to be redeemed. And I think we need to begin that with the idea that that our thinking can get into worse places than we realize. I think we underestimate this, how difficult it is to change thinking and how bad it can get. So I've tried in this text in Ephesians 4 to kind of show you some of the terms uh, this is Romans 1 and verse 21. Although they knew God, they did not glorify or honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. And I want to just read to you some of the words that are used to describe how thinking gets when it's not redeemed. Futility and darkened and hardness and callous given themselves up. Our hearts can be blinded, we can be hardened, we are darkened, we are defiled, we are corrupted, we are depraved, we need to come to our senses, we are slaves, we are callous, we are past feeling. All mental problems and all have to do with thinking that needs to be set free. So I want to take some time then to talk about what Jesus does to change our minds so that you and I can think about how we can do better in this area, how we can grow past some of these things. And then I want to give you some practical challenges as we try to sort of rewire the mind in order to listen to Jesus about these things rather than just ourselves. First, Jesus gives us new inputs. That's where you write that on your sheet. Oh, man, I missed one, didn't I? I missed one. Hey, hey, sorry about that. The mind can be used, it's not just negative, the mind can be used to bless other people. That's what we're trying to say in that second blank. You guys got to keep me on my toes here. I don't want to rush past my sheet. All right, so sin originates in the mind. The mind can be a tool to bless others. All right, we all caught up. And then Jesus gives us new inputs. Let's talk about that for a minute. Inputs. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. This is the idea of of new sources of thinking. And input is what's coming into our minds and where is it coming from. Romans 12 and verse 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Notice how... Paul contrasts conforming to the world and being transformed by a renewed mind. And the idea in verse 2 is he says, don't be conformed, but be transformed, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The idea there, as I understand it, is that we take the will of God and we live it out and we try it. And as we do, as we live more and more of it out, we discover that it is good and it is acceptable and it is perfect. It is truly from God and it does really bless us. So, as we begin to listen to God and do what he says, our thinking is renewed, it is changed, it is shifted. So, 
what you have here is the idea of two sources in verse 2. Either we're conformed to the world or we're transformed by a renewed mind. We're either going to become more like the world by our inputs or we're going to become more like God and what God wants for us, the will of God. So it's a passage that encourages us to think about where is our thinking coming from. Our thinking does not happen in a vacuum. In fact, we live in the midst of just an avalanche of words. People are constantly talking. You go on the Internet and it's just multiplied the number of words. Okay, and now we have phones that transmit people's words to us in so many different forms, texts and phone calls and emails and, and what's going on in social media and what is somebody writing about something. All of this is words, 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 thoughts that are just bombarding us at all times. And the question is, what are we letting in and how is it affecting us? This is an input question. And Jesus is saying, you can have your mind renewed or you can have your mind to be made more and hardened more into the form of the world one or the other, but Jesus is offering us new inputs, a source of thinking that's going to change us. Proverbs 4, verse 23, I love the image here. Uh, it says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Keep, here is the word guard, okay, protect. Keep your heart, protect your heart, watch out. Why? Because whatever comes into your heart, it's going to affect. Out of it flow the springs of life. I'm thinking about the idea of a spring that's contaminated at the source. Okay? If a spring is contaminated there, what happens to all the water that comes out? All of it's contaminated. That's the idea. So you, you protect it. You think of cities that have a water source. You know, where's the water coming from? We're going to take care of the water source because all the water and all the cities are going to come from that source. We need to be sure it's pure. This is the idea. Guard your heart. Watch out what's going into your heart because it's going to affect what comes out. I believe that's the idea. You may disagree with me about this passage, and that's okay. The, the, the lesson will go on, and we can still be friends and everything. But this is what I think Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And somebody's going to say, well, Jacob is talking about the eye. It's not talking about the mind. I understand that. I think the idea here is inputs. The eye is the source of how we take in everything in our world. And he is saying, if that's bad, everything that comes through that is bad. It corrupts everything. But if it's good, then the whole body is full of light. So I think Jesus is talking about inputs even here when he talks about the eye, that how you think about things, if those things are corrupted, then it corrupts everything you think about. I'm, a little, I'm on a little stronger, safer ground with this passage, Matthew 16, 23. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you're a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Who are you listening to? That's the question of inputs. And he is saying, you're not listening to God. And it's interesting to me that that statement comes right after Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. That in some ways you're thinking about God's things, but now you're not thinking about God's things. You're thinking about man's things. You're thinking for yourself. So, inputs. big part of this is going to be talking about what are we taking in, and are we listening to God in God's Word? Now, that's a part of it. It's not all of it, but I want to take a minute just to, to mention this to you. If we read our Bible for a couple of minutes a day, 5, 10, 15 minutes a day, which I think is, I mean, that's a very positive thing. Just from a math perspective, what percentage of that is, what percentage is that of all the inputs we're getting? for the day, of all the words we're hearing, all the thoughts that are advancing on us, 
I mean, what, what percentage? Just from a math perspective, it's going to be a very small sliver of what we think about. But even that, even though 15 minutes a day or something like that, has a powerful impact on us. I think we probably all experience that, where when we have just taken a better source for what we think about, maybe in the morning, instead of getting up and reading news, which I don't know about you, but is awfully depressing most of the time, and you read the news, you go, oh, man, what's going on now? Instead of that, to read something that's going to feed me something different, something that's going to renew me and refresh me and, and make me better able to handle what I have to deal with for the day, it's going to change my thinking. That's an important part of renewing our minds. And I'm not just trying to push the guilt button on that. We, we do need to study Scripture. But we need to want Scripture because Scripture is going to purify us. It's going to give us something that we know is good for us. This is also, inputs are also the reason why companions matter so much. Because companions, we give them direct access to our thinking. We let them affect our thinking. There is a story, it's a really sad story in the Old Testament about Amnon and Tamar, where Amnon and Tamar are half-brother and half-sister, and Amnon is infatuated with his half-sister, who is also Absalom's sister, which is an important detail. But the scripture just says, Amnon had a friend. And in those words, it, it turns the whole story, because Amnon's friend is a man named Jonadab, who's a very crafty man, the text says, and instead of saying, Amnon, you got to get over her. You can't have her. This is not going to work. It's not a good thing. Jonadab encourages him. Says, well, here's how we'll do it. And eventually, Amnon ends up raping his sister. He gets killed by Absalom because, of course, Absalom is angry about that. And all of this happened because Amnon didn't have a friend to say, whoa, you don't need to be thinking about this. You need to move on. A friend who encourages him in sin, that's an input. That's the reason friends matter. Friends can help determine which direction our thinking goes, which then helps determine which direction our lives go. So the question is, who am I listening to? My brethren can be, don't have to be, aren't always, but can be a positive input for me to encourage me and to prompt positivity in me or to challenge me when my thinking is off. But they're a part of the way Jesus gives me new inputs. All right, so I want to give you a practical challenge. All right, practical challenge. I, I haven't skipped any, have I? Okay. I want you to find five godly inputs each day. Five godly inputs. Five godly inputs. Five godly inputs. All right, so a godly input, reading Scripture, a godly input, having a conversation with someone who is going to help you in a positive direction toward the Lord. Please understand, I do not mean you text your, your buddy here in the church and say, hey, how about the Razorbacks? Okay? Now, is that an evil input? Well, kind of. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, that's not an evil input. No, but it's not godly, is it? It's not really helping. The, the casual conversation where we just talk about small talk is not what I mean by a godly input. Now, it's better than having them try to encourage us to sin. But when I say five, find five godly inputs, I mean have things that are coming into your mind from whatever source that are going to bless you and help your mind become more pure and stronger as you try to serve the Lord. Things that are going to encourage you. So we're talking about people. We're talking about different conversations, things that you read, Scripture, or things that are about Scripture or that help us apply Scripture. Something that's going to bless you. Find new inputs. And I want to encourage you to find five of those a day. Okay, Not just one, 
but five. Okay, and that's going to be a challenge. So I'm going to encourage you to do that this week. Try to find how can I get these things. Now, today, you're going to have kind of a jump start, right? We're here at church, okay? We, we actually have the mega church where we've got three in a row, okay? So you're going to have a lot of godly inputs right now. But I'm talking more about tomorrow, how you're going to do through the week, and what are you thinking about? How are the inputs coming? All right. Second, Jesus gives us new lenses. Lenses. Uh, what I mean by lenses, you might use the word perspectives. Uh, it's the way we look at the world. And that Jesus changes the way we look at the world because we begin to look at the world in redeemed ways, in ways that are different from the way they used to be. Why don't you go with me to Colossians 3? Colossians 3. So our fundamental perspective before we come to Christ is, I am very important. I am. And I have to get what I want, and I have to take care of me. That's the perspective of most people. Before we come to Christ, Jesus changes that. And the way that we think about ourselves and others changes based on that relationship. I want to read Colossians 3 and verse 12. Colossians 3 and verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now I want you to notice the shift away from that mindset that I'm so important and i got to watch out for me. He talks about in verse 12 that we are God's chosen ones. We are the elect of God. We belong to him. And so that affects the way we want to look at who we are and the way we want to live and treat others. So he talks about being, verse 12, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and meekness and patience. He talks about in verse 13 the idea of forgiveness, that if we have a complaint, we forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you. You see how that changes? Before, I didn't worry about forgiveness. I was going to make sure nobody got the better of me. But now I'm changed because I've been forgiven. And so I have a new way of looking at the world and how others have hurt me. I want to love you and get along with you, verse 14. I am at peace, verse 15. I am grateful, verse 15, verse 16, and verse 17. I am grateful for what's been done for me. So I see the same world in healthier and better ways because of Jesus. I'm no longer as important as I used to think that I was. I begin to see I'm not the big deal that I always assumed I was. This life is not the most important thing, the way it used to be. Forgiveness is possible in a way that I didn't believe it was possible before. And that affects the way I look at other people too. When we talk about lenses, I think it's important to say that when I listen to Jesus, I no longer have to feel threatened by you. Other people are not threats to me. That what you are and what you do is great. And I can celebrate that without thinking that I have to be better than you and measure myself against you. All of that roots in the idea that I need love and I need acceptance and I need to belong and I need to have achievements so that other people will love me and I can belong somewhere. And all of that is done away in Christ. 
I don't have to prove myself to anybody. I don't have to beat anybody. I'm not in competition with anybody. I'm not compared to anyone. I am loved exactly as I am as Christ changes me into the man he wants me to be. That's a new lens. It's different. So, practical challenge. Here's where you get your paper out. This one is hard. Practical challenge under number two about lenses. Relate to someone who has hurt you. Relate to. So here is the challenge. I want you to think about a time when you've been deeply hurt. You probably have it in your mind. I think most of us have those pretty readily accessible. Think about what the person did. Think about why they did what they did. What were they thinking? What were they wanting? And I want you to ask yourself the question, have I ever wanted what they wanted? Have I ever thought like they thought? Have I ever done what they did? Can I see myself in the thing that they've hurt me with? And then, has God ever forgiven me anything like that? See, that's a different lens. It's a lens that says, it's not just about somebody hurt me and I've got to get back at them. It's about somebody hurt me, but I've been forgiven. I understand what sin is and I want to try to forgive them as well. That's a practical challenge. Take some time with that and think through that. All right, I have four minutes somehow. Okay, Jesus gives us new focuses. All right, go back in Colossians 3 up to verse 1. It says, Colossians 3 verse 1, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on the earth. So go ahead and write down focuses here. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. Particularly... I want us to know that we have control over what we think about. We don't like to think about that. But we have control about what we think about. We are not victims in our thoughts. Sometimes we think that whatever the circumstance is, we have to think about it. Or whatever somebody has done to us, we have to think about it. And the truth is, we choose our thoughts. And that's why he says, set your mind on things above. The content of your thought, your focus is always your choice. Uh, a couple of passages here, Romans 8, 5, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Romans 1, 21, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking. Honoring God, giving thanks to God is a choice we make. It's not just going to happen. No one's going to force us to do it. We choose what we focus on and how we think about God. There is one passage in particular I want to look at. It's Philippians 4 and verse 8. Philippians 4 and verse 8 that I think is probably the most important passage we could read about our thinking. Philippians 4 and verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Seek good things, Paul is saying, to think about. Let that be the content, the tone of what you think about. So Paul is a great example of this, isn't he? Paul is here in Roman custody in Rome. He is writing to the Philippians, and all he talks about is joy and peace and contentment. 
while he's in chains. Because he's saying, I'm focusing on and thinking about things that are good. Now that is a challenging idea. I want to remind you, no circumstance determines your thinking. No circumstance. We determine our thinking. This has been a battle for me in my spiritual life. I have battled negative thinking about me, insecurity about myself. I battle negative thinking about other people and gossiping about other people. And really, the the most dangerous part of this is that it begins to corrupt your thinking so that you have a hard time thinking anything good. This is a passage that says, Jesus wants you to focus in a new way. Here's your challenge. Take one hour or one conversation and do your best not to say or think anything negative. This one's tough. All right, so if you do say something negative, like, when I work with this guy and he is so annoying, then you have to immediately say something good about them. Like, but he's really good at this, and I'm really glad I work with him, okay? So don't be negative in your thinking or in your speech. This is going to be hard. In fact, I would encourage you, let's start with the conversation and build up to the hour without thinking or saying anything negative, because an hour is a long time when you start trying to work on this. But let me also caution you. In the South, we have this practice where we say, bless his heart. And then we proceed to say something really awful about someone. And it's somehow okay because we said, bless his heart. Okay, Negative is negative. Sorry. I think we need to work on that. Uh, so that we can get our focuses better. All right, the last one I want to talk about is that Jesus gives us new attitudes. We don't have time for this. Uh, Just mark down in your uh, mind or on your sheet, Philippians 2, 3, and 4, putting other people above ourselves. Philippians 3 is about the passion uh, to find Christ, to be found in Him, and to know Him. Philippians 4 is about joy and peace and contentment, just different ways of looking at the world and looking at other people. Here's your challenge, because we're running out of time. As you talk about attitudes, practical challenge, let the first five things in your prayer, let the first five things in your prayer be about others. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but let each of you put others above himself. Consider others as better than himself. Let the first five things in your prayer be about others. So, there's a lot more we could say about this. I'm going to encourage you to take this little sheet And you may be mad at me if you really try to live out these challenges. That's okay. Just let's try not to be negative. And uh, let's talk about it. We'll talk about it next week and see how we're doing. But thank you so much for your attention. I hope you'll take that challenge and run with it. We'll be disappointed.